Hello, thank you for joining us for a new episode of Ontobel Now. As with the other podcasts in this series, we aim to take a fresh look at topical issues for investors. So on today's agenda is the climate theme, and specifically the investment implications of it going forward. My name is Andrew Crook, your host, and I'm delighted today to welcome two speakers from Vontobel Asset Management, Marco Lemfers, who's a Client Portfolio Manager, and also Mavis Huang, who's a Director, Intermediary Clients in Asia. Thanks so much, both of you, for joining us. Great to be here. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having us, Andrew. Welcome. So let's dive straight in. There's a lot to discuss around this theme, obviously. Marco... I'm keen to get a brief introduction about what your role is and where you fit in within this broad perspective of climate change and investing in the transition that we're all undergoing. And maybe you'd also like to sort of share a couple of initial thoughts. It's obviously an extremely hot topic. Why is that? Is it just sort of a fad? I am a client portfolio manager for our Zurich-based team, of listed impact. For that team, since more than a decade, we manage environmentally related investments that try to achieve two things, actually. We call it a double dividend, good financial returns and a positive impact on the environment. And we are very keen and excited about the developments that we see regarding climate change. So we see that governments across the globe are focusing on that, that people start increasingly to talk about that and try to find a solution. And we are convinced that we need to tackle the big challenges that we see in that respect. And by investing and looking at the right companies, people can really make that sort of a double dividend because on the one hand side, companies that provide good, responsible solutions to our everyday needs, they will enjoy favorable growth opportunities going forward. They will be able to increase their sales. They will be able to increase their margins. They will be less faced by regulation all things that should be good for their share prices. And in addition, their products and services, they can generate a positive impact that help us to reduce our ecological footprint and improve our lives, both very important when it comes to climate change. Mavis, if you could kindly also introduce yourself and maybe share some views that you see as the key issues stemming from climate change that investors are talking to you and are concerned about at the moment? My name is Mavis, and I'm with Asia Intermediary Team, which is part of our client unit of the organization, and I'm based in Hong Kong. I guess our role here is really to help catering and servicing intermediaries clients in the region with our investment capabilities. To answer your question, Andrew, I think there are three main areas investors need a justification about when it comes to climate change investment. So Asian investors found it difficult to draw a connection of their investment with the real impact on the environment. In other words, how does their investment translate into good deed instead of getting another round of greenwash just because ESG is more of a fashion to be having the portfolio. Is it possible to make investment outcome tangible and measurable for them? Secondly, I think the propaganda of climate change or ESG just made it more hard or less straightforward for us to see the distinction among 
products representing ESG integration and ESG investment. The latter means more thematic investment. And the ESG integration is absolutely amazing to have and can be adopted to all kinds of strategies. But if you bring this methodology to equity investment, sometimes you will end up being a index-hugging strategy with a large composition of tech companies, just as MSCI index does. I think this will work out perfectly for transferring traditional funds to an ESG version. But if clients are looking for more authenticity or deeper engagement of this topic, this will not be the ideal situation for them. Especially with a higher degree of ESG intermediation in both industrial and cultural aspects of our society. And this is also reinforced by recent regulatory or legislative initiatives. So at this point, more and more investors are looking for a real ESG or authentic ESG fund. Lastly, because traditionally impact investing are confined to primary market, often in the form of microfinance, venture capital, or early stage private equity investment. Given these companies were less scalable, often not capitalizing from this business. And today this has changed with more and more listed companies in the space with a better economical scale and public transparency. That being said, Asian intermediate clients still think there is great scarcity of a good secondary market products with proven track record, which would also deliver attractive risk reward, adjusted returns to the investors, only if they're not better than other non-ESG products. So perhaps there might be also some key facts about climate change and its implication that investors should know, but they are not aware of those yet. I'm curious, Marco, what jumps to your mind? Yeah, thanks, Mavis. I think the consequences of climate change are pretty clear to everybody because we feel them in our daily lives. So we feel there are long periods of dryness. There is sometimes a period of much rain. There are a lot of flooding, so that kind of weather extremes that are the consequences of climate change, touchable and feelable for everybody. So I would like to draw your attention on a different angle for investors, because we feel the perhaps biggest risks is seeing that climate transition as a risk or as a taxation-like cost to the economy, rather than a series of investment opportunities. There are many proven accepted and well-known technologies out there that are able to tackle those challenges that help to find solutions, make our planet better, and bring us all a better life. And we feel investors really should focus on that, finding companies that provide a solution because they can provide sound financial perspective and a positive impact on the environment. So, Marco, Obviously, there's lots of different climate-related themes that are getting discussed and talked about all the time. Which of those would you say require the biggest investments over the next, say, five to 10 years to address them? That's quite a difficult question. My answer would be all parts of the economy, not just one or two, would need to decarbonize going forward. Otherwise, we will not achieve the one and a half degree 
pathway that we're aiming for. So for investors, that means they need to take a holistic view. Let me give one example to illustrate it. Renewable energy, obviously, is part of the solution. But it's not enough to plug new wind turbines or new solar models to the net and then produce renewable power. You also have to think about the grid and you have to upgrade it. You have to make it smarter because there are some challenges with renewable energies. So, for instance, sometimes there's a lot of sun, but no demand or the other way around. So you have to have smart devices that can balance out those difficult phases. And of course, you have to transmit the power that, for instance, is produced offshore wind on the sea. You have to bring it to onshore industrial production sites where the demand is. So you need to take that holistic view along the entire value chain as an investor and try to find companies that provide solutions along that value chain in order to tackle the problem. In addition to renewable energy, of course, we also need to renovate our buildings, make them energy efficient. We have to find smart mobility solution. We have to look at the production processes that we use. So there are a lot of different things that investors need to have in scope in order to do that. And so we feel a useful selection approach is to group those companies in areas where action is most urgently needed and where strong progress can be seen with regard to eco-friendly technologies. And we call those areas impact pillars in, in our strategies. Mavis, I can ask you also a question regarding to that. Um, there might be some other areas that are more relevant to Asia than I described and that you are seeing from your client uh, conversation, especially given the significant policy focus on decarbonization over the last six to 12 months. So maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that, Mavis. I guess the most interesting would be the investment related to China. Just to give a little bit of facts here, China currently contributes about one third of the global CO2 emissions. And the party is very determined to reach carbon peak by 2030 and carbon neutrality by 2060. And there are a lot of studies suggested that this new target would cut global warming by 0.25 Celsius degrees within the century, which is a very significant number. So China's ambition of this 3060 goal implies that a 30 year of energy transition and a much deeper and challenging pace compared to 50 years or even 70 years in the EU and in US. And this will definitely require a more swift energy transition featuring near-term production cuts and massive green investment in the long run. And for instance, renewable energy, alternative energy and smart grid electrification of not only on the transportation vehicles, but also construction equipment and machinery. Marco, investors obviously want to capitalize on the various opportunities that you and Mavis have just talked about. So what are some of the opportunities and ways they can do this in specific markets and sectors that you feel is realistic and on the radar? Yeah, let me focus on what we call impact pillars. Uh, that's uh, across different sectors and, of course, across different countries. It's a global uh, thing that you need to look at as an investor. And as pointed out, you really need to take that kind of holistic view. I think, in particular, interesting, of course, it's clean energy which means replacing fossil fuels by using renewables. That is key to revising climate change. 
So this is about really generating electricity by using solar and wind, by looking at hydrogen solutions, very interesting for, for long-haul transportation, that kind of stuff by heat generation. And this is both needed or this is all needed to make the net reliable, but also smarter and greener. When it comes to buildings, buildings have a large share of the global energy consumption. So it's key to lower that environmental impact of the building. If you look at the entire life cycle from selection through design and material choices, construction, operation, maintenance, and uh, demolition of the building. Focus is always really on minimizing energy use in uh, buildings by using energy efficient measures and adopting renewable energy to meet uh, the remaining energy needs. Then it's about transportation. Um, we need to shape the future of mobility by offering innovative solutions and key technologies to get better connected in a converging world through improved logistics, but also as well as uh, low emission transportation that saves time and resources. And last but not least, a very important part is that manufacturing processes I touched upon earlier. There are companies that we call enablers, helping others to be more efficient in their resource use and in the way they pollute during their production process. This is very much about digitalization, the digital transformation. It's about automation to scope with rising demand and uh, increasing output by doing that in a sustainable way, resource efficient, and with regard also, of course, to as uh, low pollution as possible. In Asia, though, many investors are actually relatively new to investing in these things. Marco, what processes do investors elsewhere in the world apply to assess climate risk? So it's basically four points that investors in other countries consider, and we also do in our strategy. The first and starting point is a very important one. You have to define dedicated areas that you want to tackle. And we really start with a very easy question at the beginning of our process. What kind of world do you want to live in? And then we try to define that word or describe that word by defining those areas or impact pillars where we try to tackle climate change and other ecological problems. Once you have done that, the work starts. You really need to find companies that provide a solution to those areas of impact pillars that you have defined. And of course, you want to make sure that the company's purity is quite high. Purity means that the companies really generate a bulk of their revenues, a bulk of their profits with the solution you are looking for and not with other parts of business they might have. And then two very important parts really come into the game once you have identified potential companies. One is the financial perspective. This is about investing, which means we want to generate decent returns and we do not want to take systematically more risk than we would need to take for investing in equities. So we want to make sure, of course, that the financial perspective and the quality of the companies is high. And last but not least, you, of course, want to measure the positive effect that the products and services of the companies can generate. So you need to think about key performance indicators to measure. Let's say, for instance, the uh, amount of renewable energy generated, the amount of potential avoided carbon emission those kind of things where you can collect data, where you can calculate really the positive impact that your investment in such a company might have. 
Mavis, do you find that among investors in Asia that there are any misperceptions in terms of how they look to make an impact with their investments in relating to climate change? Thanks, Andrew. And I think there have been less and less misperceptions nowadays because of our educational process of ESG in Asia. But there's definitely one misperception what has been answered or the fact has been turned around last year, which is ESG or impact investing usually translates to mediocre returns or general underperformance. But if we look at last year's performance, we actually know the story is not absolutely true anymore. So we're already nearing the end of this discussion, despite how much material there is potentially to talk about. So Mavis and Marco, I'd like to get a view from each of you to help investors understand what action they could take now to ensure that they are able to make a positive impact with their investment strategy. Mavis. Being a vegan can absolutely help with the global warming but don't forget about the significance of feeling those companies are engaging in the good businesses and doing the positive impact to the society. And therefore, we could upgrade our individual effort to a larger scale. And second, we'll have to try keeping up to date of regulatory works on attempts to improve the environment instead of being fed by mass propaganda. Thanks. Thank you. Marco? Yeah, I would say investors need to get started. Governments get started with all their net zero pledges and investors can follow them and then even outpace them. There are a lot of opportunities out there. There are well-known, proven technologies where you know you can achieve a positive impact on the environment alongside financial returns. So don't wait until the regular sets everything in stone. Get started today. Impact investing. It's a very important area to achieve a more sustainable world. Thank you both. Some really clear and practical messages there. Although, unfortunately, we're pretty much out of time for today. Clearly, though, climate change and the related themes are topics that are going to be with us for many, many years to come. So this is a great starting point. Marco Mavis, thanks so much for sharing your expertise on these key areas for investors to consider in their strategies going forward. For everyone listening, Thank you for your time. We hope this provided some use and insight for you. We look forward to exploring more topics of interest to you in another podcast soon. Thank you. This recording is for information purposes only, and nothing contained in this recording should constitute a solicitation or offer or recommendation to buy or sell any investment instruments, to affect any transactions, or to conclude any legal act of any kind whatsoever, except as permitted under applicable copyright laws. None of this information may be reproduced, adapted, uploaded to a third party, linked to, framed, performed in public, distributed or transmitted in any form by any process without the specific written consent of Vontabel. To the maximum extent permitted by law, Vontabel will not be liable in any way for any loss or damage suffered by you through the use or access to this information, or Vontabel's failure to provide this information. Our liability for negligence, breach of contract, 
or contravention of any law as a result of our failure to provide this information or any part of it or for any problems with this information which could not be lawfully excluded is limited at our option and to the maximum extent permitted by law to resupply this information or any part of it to you or to pay for the resupply of this information or any part of it to you. Keep in mind that past performance is not a reliable indicator of current or future performance, and forecasts are inherently limited and should not be relied upon as an indicator of future performance.